0: The Billionaires
1: in Boxes production. Hello, and welcome to this very special edition of Billionaires in Boxes. Uh, Billionaires in Boxes, New Zealand. Today, it would seem like because I'm joined by very two special guests, uh, Brenton Weber of Halftime Orange, who you'll be hearing lots and lots about, including on his podcast, and uh, Richard Hookvale, who is actually the Bib partner for for over in New Zealand. Uh, welcome, gents. <laughs> Thank you. Great
2: to be here. It's, it's awesome to have you
1: both here. Oh, yeah, do you know what? We've been talking in the, uh, I always call it the virtual green room beforehand. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always fun because I think, you know, uh, I'll tell you a funny story about the virtual green room just before we get started. I was on a podcast about a month or so ago. And somebody described that virtual green room as like the most intensive speed dating they've ever done. <laughs> because it's like, if, for anybody who podcasts, you'll, you'll know this yourself. There's usually a couple of minutes before you get onto a show, but it's not usually very long because you, you have stuff to record. You've got to get on with it, mm-hmm. right? So you almost enter this green room. It's like, right, I've got four kids. I've got this wife. I've got this business. I've got this. I've got this. My, my dog's sick. Um, and, and I've got this. And then my business. And I spoke at this. And I did this book. And right, you go. And it's like, right, I got two. And, and it's, it's literally like that because you get to know each other so quickly. And it's it's all about, okay, let's share the salient points. And then let's get to know each other on a podcast. So Brenton, that's, that's the reason that you're here, buddy. So I'm, I'm, I'm really delighted for, for our listeners who haven't come across you before, how would you describe Brenton? Who is Brenton Webber?
3: Oh, that is a difficult question. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, so I, I believe that i bit, well, from what, from what angle? Like I'm a, I'm a dad. I've got four kids. Mm. Um, I have a very checkered past i 've done everything from selling um, display advertising and uh, and um the top talking to the top one hundred global clients of organizations mm-hmm. through to selling um bathroom advertising where people urinate really? um, the ads <laughs> um, and everything in between um, i 've also taken time out of my career I learned how to um, teach diving. I was a dive instructor for about three years, um, in some that. time in Thailand and sometime in Australia. But what, I guess one thing that's always kind of brings me, that centres me, it's always something that's very human centric. I like connecting with humans, really. And I think that mm. human centricity is something that we can we can all learn from inside and outside of business. Um, I think a Agreed. lot of us are very good at that outside of work um, and outside of business, but business does have this energy about it that allows people to operate in a far less um, kind way. They can get away with a whole they're... load of stuff in the work environment uh, behind their work persona. And if, they mm. them, and if their friends and family knew how egocentric all their decisions were and the way that they they planned and strategized, um, I think a lot of people would be very shocked. And so, mm. i don't know, I've, I've for a long time, I think I struggled to be that authentic self at work because at work you are expected to be a certain way and you know um, mm. fit within a certain box fit within a certain image um, you know you have to obey the social media um, rules you have to um...
1: <laughs> no it's it's difficult though isn't it because it's difficult though isn't it because I think you know you mentioned you'd come from that sales background and and, and I spent a lot of time in, in around that world as well with sales marketing and advertising and one of the things that always fascinated me was how much money you would spend to get a client but how happily people were to lose them due to poor customer experience later down the process. So how many times have we heard about organizations that give sort of special discounts and offers and things to new customers, but then their old customers just get completely forgotten about and and they're just there and almost used and abused? Um, And I never understood that because I never even understood that from a cost efficiency perspective, because if you're going to spend so much money winning clients, surely you want to turn that client into a customer for life. You want to retain them. Um, and and again, I agree with what you say. I mean, I think, you know, there's so many companies out there that they have their policies and they have the way that they want to do things. But actually, you know, I'd argue that it's 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 not as commonplace as it should be that those processes and systems have been put in place designed with the customer experience or the customer journey in mind. It's usually designed of how, how can we get the money out of them as quickly as possible? How can we get them into the system? How can we get them so that they can do as much of this automated as possible so that they can leave us alone? Um, And and I think people are missing the human touch, aren't they?
3: They are. They are. It's funny. You know, we we call our businesses either B2B businesses or B2C. But in actual fact, Mm. every single business, unless you're AI selling to AI, you're a H2H Mm -hmm. business, you're a human-to-human business. It's always about Mm -hmm. human connection. Um, where i 've been successful in my career has always been where i 've been allowed to think from the point of view of the customer and mm-hmm. it 's incredible how difficult it is for people to to um, allow allow their their staff to even do that or what historically mm-hmm. have been able to do that i mean if you look at i 've always been amazed that i I've, i see very few genuine customer journey maps. I see yeah. an incredible amount of company journey maps um, where we're defining people's experiences by the, um, by the sum total of all the experiences they're having with our company, which is a very right. company-centric way of looking at the company. Yeah, market. yeah. Whereas of really, course, yeah. really, your customer experience, and there's, there's a lot of proponents who who I agree with and who agree with me, that it's the it's the sum total of all the experiences that you have while trying to complete a goal or to fulfill mm. a need, and that could be all of the that that includes all the points in the journey that have got absolutely nothing to do with the with the with the company, but still indirectly um, affect the, the final outcome.
1: Well, nothing's dealt with in isolation, is it? There's everything always has a, a an ecosystem of decisions and actions around it that need to be taken, and to ignore those, you do so at your peril. Because if you want to look at it this way, you have far less control or influence over a situation if you don't do those things. That's right. Um, you know, you're just you're just hoping for the best and letting it go. So, like, I obviously was introduced to you by uh, Richard. Um, the two of you originally hooked up which is kind of ironic given that correct me if i'm wrong but you're two brits that have met in new zealand yeah which i think is quite which i think is quite funny and we weren't
3: um, up, i don't think we were born that far away from each other either we're probably we're probably born closer to each other than we're now currently living in new zealand from each other
1: it's funny isn't it yeah well it, do you know what it's such a small world though so how did for our listeners how did that relationship come about what how did you meet rich
2: Oh, I can jump in there with that one. Um, mm. Yeah, it was a a, a chance meeting, really, um, via LinkedIn. Um, Brenton had reacted with a with a post with a mutual connection of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, his his comment regarding customer journey and customer experience resonated mm-hmm. with me. Um, I've been in New Zealand now for four years. Uh, worked with um, one of the largest uh, retail outlets in the country
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the customer journey is unfortunately not great. Um, like Brenton was saying, a lot of things are, you know, the, the the company journey or this is what the company feels the customer journey should be. <laughs> yeah. but very, very rarely do they sit down and go, well, why don't we speak to our customers about this? Mm-hmm. Why don't we ask the customer what journey they would like to take when they're in store or online or calling us, for customer service whatever it may be Mm -hmm. um and as i say you know i I jumped onto brennan's page saw what he was doing and we connected and obviously i'm working in this industry now Um, Mm. change of of scenery for me uh, Mm. thanks to good old Mm. covid19 but yeah it's uh, just just shows that you know, even with the pandemic that's going on around the world and everyone's in a situation where they've got no idea what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. the success can still come from, from obviously the, the time that we're in at the moment because yeah. if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for COVID-19 and the change of industry for me, we wouldn't be having this conversation now, so... Mm. Do
1: you know what? That's the joy of global networking. So obviously, I, I love this stuff, and it's 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 the stuff I preach about all the time. So you, many people have heard me talk about this before, but that's exactly why I love this. Is that you know you. Um, Brenton has a great business and a great business model that more people need to know, like, and trust. And podcasting is a phenomenal way to do that. Because how could I take what you know and sum it up in like a 30-second Instagram post to try and encourage someone to come and do business with you on there? I mean, there's, there's a wealth of experience here and there's so many different aspects we could touch on. And, you know, we were talking off air, weren't we, about, you know, the the six main points around the customer journey, customer experience. And we'll touch on that in, in a little bit. But... You know, even things like how do you define a good customer journey—that could be a podcast all by itself. How are you going to sum that up into a really quick social media soundbite?
3: Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, uh, what what we need to what we always need to remember in business, and we've been very good for years about to, about following um, successful business outcomes, and that's what all our case mm-hmm. are. But what? CX offers is successful customer outcomes. And when you're delivering mm-hmm. successful customer outcomes, the successful business outcomes kind of look after themselves. They are delivered. Mm-hmm. You talked about the, the, you know, my background is sales. <clears throat> and I've always been part of the what I call the tap industry, which if you think of your business as a bath and you're mm-hmm. trying to get as much water, as much business into your bath as possible, well, we've got yep. all these proponents, all these tap manufacturers out there that are showing you new ways to get more water into your bath. Let's put mm-hmm. three taps on the left. Let's do another big uh, blender tap in the middle, and we'll just keep collecting customers. Mm-hmm. Salespeople are really good at shouting, and none of them have really come forward and said, well, how about we start selling the plug? Because well oh, yeah, we should put
1: the plug in the bath, yeah. Because
3: that that water <laughs> is magical. If the water stays mm. in the bath, it shouts to mm. all of its water chums and other taps to come and try this bath out and it multiplies yeah. and you get this exponential growth from retention driven from the retention driven reality that you've created. It's funny that you talk about the customer journey though, because we can and my, my professional compadres, there we we do. We talk about customer journeys all the time. But it was only mm-hmm. today I was listening to a guy called a wonderful guy called James Dawkins, the CX rock star. You know mm-hmm. he he's very he's very sure of, of himself that he thinks that a successful customer outcome delivered well trumps a wonderful customer journey every single day of the week. So the customer okay. journey is secondary, really, to the perfect customer outcome. So the yeah. example he had was a, a – the, the example that he shared was a restaurant. So you and I, would mm-hmm. go to a restaurant, and it is the – there's um, immediate service, everybody's friendly, massive smile. You've got electronic ordering. The food is with you, and it's right. The ambience is perfect, the lighting, but unfortunately, the food – doesn't really taste that crash up.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Following week, you and I go down to a busy market with terrible customer service. The journey itself, we have to wait for ages at the, for the table. We have the the service guy who's um, just rude. Um, yeah, yeah, can't read the menu. But when the food comes, it's literally the most delicious dish that we've ever had. Yeah. One's got a great customer journey with a terrible customer outcome. The other's yeah. got a wonderful customer outcome with a very shoddy journey. Now, which restaurant are we going to in a fortnight?
1: Well, of course. But is, is the aim not to try and have both of those things? You know, the aim- is the name
3: not – is the aim- – you, You're right. But the, aim, the aim is to how do we take a company from its current state – which is usually in many cases a current product and service-centric model, Mm -hmm. and how do we move them towards a future customer-centric model where Mm. the business is being driven by those successful customer outcomes. We're working on the customer journeys and improving them to get more successful customer outcomes. Mm -hmm. And then that old business state where we relied on, Traditional KPIs, um, of course, you still need that, and you, you need checks and balances to see how things are happening. But mm-hmm. they do look after themselves, and I've got many examples of myself being involved in those throughout my career, where true customer centric thinking. When it was even when it was, so I took over, I took over the managership of one of our leading current affairs titles here in New Zealand, a magazine mm-hmm. called The Listener, and what. This was at a company called New Zealand Magazines, and I was out looking after the top half of the top agencies and some and, and some clients, um, selling across the entire portfolio. Mm. And very apparent to me how dry and boring the customer experience was when we were going into these agencies and telling people about our products. And one of our things yeah. was, well, they kind of think we're dry and boring. So they associated yeah. us with a dry and boring, boring um, demographic in their eyes mm-hmm. you know these were young media buyers so they were seeing us as this old fuddy duddy been around generations if you think about the maybe the economy maybe the spectator or the economist or stuff like that where well, you are mm. um
1: well i saw you i saw you work for the ft at one point they're a great example so the ft you know i actually read a lot of their stuff and it's fantastic but there's a lot of um, people demographic wise that find themselves not reading the financial times because it's like oh well It's not for me, it's for people in the city and it's for people, you know, and actually, you know, you get to hear about some incredible things and stories and opportunities. And I've actually had a number of guests from the Financial Times who I've read an article about their business, reached out to them and said, hey, I want to talk to you about this and actually been pleasantly surprised by how much they want to do that. So I am fully with you that there is a perception on content as well. There's a perception of who's producing that content and what it is they're doing and therefore who their audience is going to be, which is I'm looking forward to this, mate, because usually what happens from that point is people start to plan and act accordingly. Yeah. They start to take actions according to, okay, well I'm speaking to an older, less interactive audience. So I'm going to do this instead of this. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, so we, we made a So with that, with that, customer-driven, customer understanding with that insight that we've managed to glean from talking to our customers and finding out they found us dry and boring and they didn't want to put their exciting automotive advertising in our dry and boring magazine. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What was making it dry and boring? We had all the demographic information. But the problem with demographics is they only tell a very small part of the journey. Like there are dry and boring 65-year-olds, and there are incredibly exciting uh, 65-year-olds. There are also incredibly boring 25-year-olds, incredibly exciting 25-year-olds. So the demographic doesn't really cover it. So we started Mm. to tell a very different story to the the marketplace. One, we told them that we would never, ever show them another um, graph and another bullet point. Um, We we promised them that they would never be bored with one of our presentations again, and we wanted to also introduce them to the qualitative aspects of our audience and Mm. start breaking down some of the myths that were out there um, about the audience. Lo and behold, it it took us three months to craft that um, story. All Mm -hmm. the time we we were kind of staying quite static in the market relative, we were all suffering because it was still coming off the back of the GFC, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the customer-centred, the, the, the customer-insight-centred customer solution kicks in. By the end of the year, we had a 40% increase year-on-year, year, and we were the only mm-hmm. magazine within the portfolio to actually grow year-on-year year that year. I love it. And that was all to do with just really spending some time understanding what the needs were not necessarily what the customer wanted, because, mm-hmm. the, because customers they don't know they, they might want a lot of a, they might want a lot of things, but they don necess- 't but a lot of those wants aren 't necessarily to do with needs, whether they 're tangible or or irras- irrational or irrational needs as well well often it comes down
1: to they think that that toolkit that selection of tools is what's going to solve a problem but because they don't know how to solve the problem they don't actually know that just one of those things used properly could could resolve it yeah um (laughs) look can I ask you a question because I mean I'm sure there'll be a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this a lot of business owners of different shapes and sizes you know and and I am almost positive that many of them will will be feeling the pain during this period Mm. um Mm. For those people listening to this and saying, okay, Brenton, I understand the the logic behind having, a, you know, better customer experience and, and, and making sure that that's more customer centric. You know, should I just ride out this period I am now and then do that? Is that something that I need to be focused on now? Is it something that is is more important during times of crisis or is it batten down the hatches and then when things are a bit better, you start to do that? that process that you're talking about where you sit and look at internally a bit more, what, what does that look like in, in your opinion? How, how do I, as a business owner do that?
3: Well, we are in an unprecedented period of time. So first of Mm -hmm. all, I'd like to say is that if anybody positions, in my opinion, he positions themselves as an expert of what to do in this current situation, (laughs) well, they're coming off the back of, Zero experience in this situation. So mm-hmm. you and I and Richard and anyone we're talking to, when we're just exploring what our current new future is, we are we are we have got just as much insights as these experts yeah. out there telling us whether it's a big woe time or a big bad time. There. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know whether now is the right time, but what I do know is that there are two best times to be looking at your customer. One nice. is when you start the company
0: mm-hmm. and the
3: other is now this yeah. every day you're waiting to start that process to understand what your current state is is another day that you're waiting to see what might happen um mm. we've got hard evidence from our mystery shopping that the companies that are already doing better and we're hey i'm in Richard you and I were in a we're in a in a very an enviable situation here in the uh, sorry in a very enviable situation here in New Zealand where the only real danger from covid is the stuff that's coming breaking out of quarantine as opposed to mm. <laughs> so so business is generally back to normal in a lot of cases you know we no longer have social distancing we don't mm-hmm. have to wear masks we've got sports events there's no limits to the amount of people that are coming together and yet mm-hmm. we've been through the journey. There's still the there's still the plastic screens up in store. There are still mm-hmm. the hand washing kits. There's still the line um, delineate uh, the line, line uh, the line spots that show you two oh, oh, the, the, t- the two meters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah okay. called, but anyway, but and, but we are back to normal now. But when you talk mm-hmm. to the companies about where they're currently sitting on a, on a you know where are you based on last year? What I'm finding is that everybody who sought to understand their customer prior to COVID focused on the customer journey, delivered the very basics, which is just generally good customer service. And those people that were already in some way thinking about their customers and how to best serve them, Mm. well, they're doing all right. Mm.
1: Yeah, outside, I love that.
3: I did this mystery shopping where I went in and I just saw who's going to say hello to me. It's going to be friendly. Who's going to engage with me a little bit? And let's check on the health and safety because I do believe at the moment, and I think it'd be even more so in the UK where you are. Health and safety of your customers is almost a very foundation expectation now of customer service. If someone mm-hmm. can, comes into your house and delivers a brand new Bosch fridge, freezer, and it is the, the entire, you know, it's the, the mutts nuts, got the ice maker, it's fully plugged in. If he, and I heard this story over COVID, if you point out a mark on the fridge and he's got all his health and safety on, but then he takes his mask off, licks his finger and tries to rub it off, I can <laughs> yeah, guarantee exactly. that that's the only bit of the customer service that you're going to remember. And that's the mm. only thing that you told me about. And that you probably told all your friends about, and that's a mm-hmm. that's a real life example. So those companies that were doing that, and then when, when we went to talk to them afterwards with the results and say how you know you, you're doing all, you, how how are you doing now? The ones that the ones that were more focused, they're all bouncing back. In fact, a lot of them are better year on year, even with the six mm. week loss of business. I love you for saying that. Rushing to spend their money with brands that they love.
1: Well, you're talking about that from a customer customer experience perspective. Now, I I love that because that's exactly what I found from the podcasting perspective, which is obviously why we're now working together to to help spread your message out there as well. Because I've been getting two sort of types of calls during this period. Call type number one has been Phil, thank God we started podcasting when we did because we've had evergreen content out there selling for us. Mm. You know, we're okay year on year. Some of them are actually up. I've now had two separate calls and clients in different industries telling me that they have competitors who've gone into administration or liquidation and they're actually doing better than they were last year because right. of the podcast. Yeah. The second type of call I've had is people calling up saying, is it too late to start a podcast? Mm. Um, because I think they realise that whilst they've had that, six-week period that you're talking about of downtime you know other people have been been making hay while the sun shines everyone's at home they can go and you know instead of only being able to do five podcast interviews a month they've now gone and done 10 because they can do two back to back in a day with these different ceos and experts that they want to speak to from around the world yeah now i think it, it all comes down to the but I think it comes down to caring about giving a good experience and a good service, if I'm honest. So Mm. like, I think we, we, have had this conversation internally. In fact, Brenton, you've heard us have this conversation about, you know, how many people we can support from a podcasting perspective, you know, business wise, you'd want to say, we'll stick a zero on the end of that number, but it's me that will never let that happen because Mm. when, you know, you talk about giving people, um, you know, what they need rather than what they want. What I thought people wanted was to be taught how to do this because I'd made money from it. So I thought that that's what they'd want is me to teach them. And some people did. But the reality of it is more people actually just wanted us to do it for you. They wanted the done for you service. It was like, I get it. I love it. I don't have time. Yeah. You just do it. Yeah. Now that was fine, but it had to be scaled because I wanted to make sure that we delivered that same quality of service to everybody. So if you're going out under the B I B network, it, as you are, you have as i'm sure you can testify the same team you have access to the same systems you have access to the same people that put my guests that edit my mm. shows and and the reason for that is it had to be the same quality standard um and i was speaking to somebody i won't name them because that would be unfair but i was speaking to somebody about six weeks ago and he said why don't you just set up another team in the philippines and just have like an outsource team for the for anyone who does the done for you service just like give them a cheaper version and i was like like why was that the first place you went to like my my head is always like value add like what can i give them that we also use that helps us that could help them and how do i make sure that we can deliver that consistently um and i think too many times it is about that isn't it people see they almost see efficiency in how can i give less but get more or how could i get it quicker or how could I get it with less interactions? And f- for me, I think you're absolutely right. The, it, the, it should be completely flipped. It should almost be, if I was the customer, if I was the person, what would I want to love to see from this? What kind of conversations would I see? Mm. And you've just used the example of somebody delivering something. So I'll tell you something that really is happening here in the UK. And it's something that genuinely my wife and I have both picked up on. It's really interesting. When they're delivering stuff to your house, they now put it on the doorstep, knock and run, basically, mm-hmm. um, which is which is fine. Obviously, I get that. I get why they're doing that. But there's two types of delivery people. There's the people who literally just put it on my doorstep and knock, and by the time I've opened the door, they've already gone. I may or may not have been in, and they've just left my stuff on the door. Yeah. And there's the people who stand halfway up my driveway, more than two meters away from me, to make sure that I get it say hello, wish me a good day. And off they go. I always resonate much better with those people than I do with the people that have just dumped it on my doorstep and left. It's the same thing. I've still bought a product, usually from Amazon. I've still bought something online. The product has still been delivered to my house. The outcome, as you said, remains the same. In as much as I've still have the product in my house, it's like you just said, the bit that I remember is, yeah, there was the muppet that dropped it on the doorstep and left it outside in the rain while we were out walking.
2: Yeah, yeah, you
1: know.
2: Yeah. But that's that's the the kind of thing as well. Is like like Brenton was saying and, and yourself there, Phil. You know, during this pandemic, you you've we tend to see two different types of businesses or two different types of people. And we've seen quite a lot of them that have gone down the customer service route. You know, we you know we need to make sure that the customer journey, the customer experience during this time, if we are still able to trade, mm-hmm. is going to be our number one focus. Yeah. And then you've got other companies and other businesses that have gone. Oh well, we'll take the easy way out. And for instance, experience for myself recently. Um. And again, I I won't name the name of the company, but. I was no other choice, but I had to ring their customer service line. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about anybody else, but I think the worst thing that was ever invented when it comes to customer service phone lines is the automated, oh, tele- tell us what service you're looking for. or well, press this button, and then you go through to another department, and you've got to press this button and that button and another button. By the time I'd pressed four or five different buttons, got through to the right department that I wanted, and waited on hold, Mm -hmm. this is 25 minutes later, it automatically clicks over to a voicemail that says, sorry, we can't answer your call at the moment. Please send us an email. Wow. Now, for me, from a sales background, business background, customer service background, customer experience background, for me, if that was my company, the automated voicemail would be the first thing that happens it's just, when cost, you call it's that just
1: cost you money it's just cost you money because <laughs> when you when you when humans interact with each other that's when things happen and that's that's why we talk about the podcasting, for example. I always say you know one of the great things about it is you get to win and work with the clients you want to work with, but one of the other things that you also get to do, and a lot of people don't see this, they might just see it as a byproduct. I personally love it you get to avoid working with those Muppet clients you never should have worked with in the first place. Yeah. You know, the ones that we, we've all had them where we've said yes to them. And um, they're always the ones that you've gone above and beyond for as well, or done a bit of a discount or, or, or you know, they didn't fully value exactly what it was that you did. So you changed yourself slightly to accommodate. It's always those people. Now, the reason that I love the human interaction is if you spend like if you, this relationship, for example, if you spend 30 to 60 minutes with somebody on a podcast, you're going to know whether you resonate with their message or not, yeah. or whether they've said a couple of things that have just jarred with you internally. Mm. You know, they didn't sit right. They they bring that stuff in your stomach where you're like, hmm, not sure. Sure. I agree with that, but there we go. We move on and it's fine. So you, that's, that's what this is about. But Richard, I mean, for me, that company, I mean, again, not naming who they are, I don't even know who they are, but
2: they've it, missed it, an it, opportunity. It's, one of, it's <laughs> one of the biggest companies in the world. And me. it's a global company. My bank do the same. In fact, I'll, I'll
1: criticize my bank. My bank has this really annoying... Well, I my mouth
3: shut, but I know who
1: it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, a, I, I bank with, with, well, I bank with a couple of banks, but one of my banks is Barclays. Now, I'll tell you the two things, uh, I, there's two things I love about Barclays, and there's one thing I detest about them, okay? The things I love about Barclays is they're really easy to use, the app's relatively easy to use. Um, they also have a really fantastic on-the-ball fraud department. So anytime there's any kind of bizarre transaction, rather than just blocking it, they will call me no matter what time of day or night it is, they call me and say this is sat on the account. Do you want us to let it go out or not? And, and I love that because as somebody who works internationally, I do have payments going off to obscure websites and things all around the world. So it is important that they don't just block them automatically. Uh, Rich is looking at me, thinking, "Yeah, that's that's your porn subscription." <laughs> um, no, not those. They're on a different card. Um, but but the, the one thing I really do have a problem with 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 Barclays, and, I, and I've said this to them repeatedly, is the live chat people don't know anything. I think that's that's not an an overstatement. Like mm. they 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 really don't know anything. Um, their their main advice is: Have you checked fa- frequently asked questions? And have you called the number? I mean, what's the point in having it? But then you have just mentioned about the automated system. They're the Barclays I always think of when you talk about automated systems because it's about four or five, press this, press this, give us your account number, give us this, and away you go. And then as soon as you're off hold for like 20 minutes through to a person, it's like, hi, welcome to Barclays. Can I take your name and your account number, please? It's like, I've already – I've given you this. Like, what – you you know why I'm on the call because I've already given
3: you the answer like five times. I mean, we we talked in the green room about above the line and below the line customer experience. And above mm-hmm. the line, I know I've, I've I've I believe I've I've come up with this terminology, and it's from my background in advertising and marketing. You know, you have got the above the line stuff and the below the line stuff. But it's the same mm-hmm. in customer experience. You've got the cool design rich. Let's create beautiful customer experiences for people that are mm. fast, convenient, trackable, personalised, and predictive. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all really important. But then take a look under the bonnet, and it's usually to do with leadership or structure. Like when, when you can imagine for me, every interaction outside of my house is a. Another little bit of research into customer experience—it gets quite tiring, actually, going out and.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, I can oh, believe that. It's
3: kind of absorbing customer experience everywhere, um, <clears throat> but but when I'm when I'm when I'm approached with that specific issue, I just think there's a siloing of data here. For some reason, mm. that department doesn't think that every department should be able to see that bit of data because they've probably mm-hmm. got some cultural issues where there's a person in charge of that department that's power hungry and wants to keep some stuff for themselves and mm-hmm. the self-importance that comes along with sometimes in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. And so the customer, you and I, we experience that in these jarring moments as we kind of go from one, which may well have been quite a nicely designed bit of customer experience. to this, oh, we're on another jarring track now that we weren't meant to yeah. be on. Or, oh, well, what a – and very much that. I've just told you my name. Why are you asking me my name again? But mm-hmm. like we just, we, well, it, we expect that the now. We expect. The worst,
1: the worst one is they have a, a way that you can call the number through the app. So they make you log in with the app using your secure details and then call via the app. And they still ask you for the details. And it's like, you know who I am because I've had to log into this secure portal <laughs> to be able to call yeah. you from it. Like yeah. this. This isn't difficult. But, you
2: know, I think that's 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 what I mean. What we're saying in regards to to businesses where about the customer journey. Mm. Um, for, in my opinion, people looked at it on the basis that they were getting customer service calls. Yeah, and obviously, the bigger you get as a company the more issues and problems are going to arise. Regardless of what company it is that you've got, the more people you've got as customers means there's more likely going to be issues, problems, customers wanting to speak to you. Yep. So which means you've got two choices. You can employ more people in your customer service center mm-hmm. if it's going to be phone based or you can outsource to a different part of the world, mm-hmm. which again is not a fantastic customer experience for mm-hmm. a lot of people. So what companies decided to do, instead of spending money to employ more people to answer the phone so the customer journey was better, they decided that this automated robot would keep the customer occupied, let's say, for a period of time until somebody was available to speak to on the phone. Mm -hmm. Now, that is not a fantastic customer journey. Mm -hmm. What is a great fantastic customer journey is the press this button, put your phone number in there and we'll call you back so you don't have to wait online and you can carry on with your day job.
1: Completely agree.
0: That's a a great
2: idea.
1: And in fact, one step further than that as well is a lot of the questions that get asked, you know, rather than just having a really boring text, frequently asked questions section, engage with them with content and short videos and podcasts that are about these exact things. Because I guarantee that it's very rare that questions that come up are unique questions. It's, it's, you know, other people will have asked these too. So, you know, it it's like you and I having this conversation, Brenton, about, you know, um, which is why we're doing this podcast, actually, about, you know, we need more people to know, like, and trust you and what you do. You're, you're You're awesome at what you do. We just need more people to know about it. And for me, I'm sure there are lots of other answers out there. But for me, I do that with podcasting because that's what I know best. And it's the thing that I know best. But I also know (laughs) that the relationships that come from those podcasts, uh, not only with the people that you do the podcast with themselves, but with the audience, the listeners, your customers, is unbelievable. And, you know, people are always looking for another reason to contact their mailing list, aren't they? They're always wanting to engage with the people that they've already worked with and, and their social media and their email lists and all this kind of stuff. Well, regular content and answering questions, you know, even... If it, imagine doing it something along the lines of once a month, you did an email out to everybody with a bit of an electronic newsletter. And on that newsletter was a link to a podcast where you answered and discussed the most frequently asked questions of the customer service center for that particular month. Right, a lot of people have been asking us about this, guys. So we want to just kind of give you this, this, this. We have put something special on our yeah. website for you to go and check it out there. they're going to They're going to reduce their call volume whilst at the same time increasing the likelihood of people recommending them because people are going to go, wow, these guys went above and beyond. Like, have you heard the podcast they did about this?
3: Well, it's, you know, talking about um, an unnamed telecommunications company, um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you, you, you've got, you've got some, some old world views there where they've probably got a KPI on reducing the number of problems that they've got. Mm-hmm. And so these problems are seen as problems, whereas really any opportunity that you've got to hear from your customers, but considering you're only going to hear from four percent of your customers, mm-hmm. customers That's an
1: incredible stuff.
3: Four percent of disgruntled customers will complain. Ninety-six percent wow. will just grumble and go away and tell a few people about it.
0: Mm.
3: But somebody will get, get on that phone line and they'll wait for 20 minutes and they'll be grumbling like this and then they'll get onto a podcast and they'll mm. tell 1,000 people about it.
1: Exactly. Um,
3: now you're in a very, world of... Pain. You're very kind, to, you're very kind to, drop, you know, to not drop the name. But the thing is I think that that's probably a major issue to do with a lot of telecommunications company, companies globally
0: mm. in,
3: in general. They are
2: very product- and service-centric as opposed to mm. customer-centric. Um, exactly. And, and what, what tends to happen with a customer, if, you've, if you're if you annoyed at something and you're that 4% of people that are going to sit there for 20, 25, 30, 45, 55 minutes on the phone to speak to a person, all that's going to happen is that person's going to get more and more and more and more annoyed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Taught themselves up over the situation, so when that the customer service advisor gets the call, they got to be perfect. Those people, they've got to be. They miss be
3: mm-hmm. be one beat. That person who's been waiting for fifteen minutes is could well just be like a you know like a like a, 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 a just some ten, just some Tinder ready to go up and explode. Well, the the, m-
1: the the music never helps, does it? Let's be honest. No, <laughs> I mean, hold music is never something that you listen to. I mean, and enjoy.
3: I'd like to pass on to anybody who has a customer service department and regularly has people on hold. Please find out what the longest period of time anybody has been on hold for, and have a mix of different songs for at least that long. Because. Mm-hmm. Hearing the same music every two or three, it's like surely you know that we're all waiting here for half an hour, that that's the average. Mm-hmm. Break. So, couldn't you just make it a bit better?
1: I mean, it's not like it's hard either, is it? There's so much of this stuff out there. Um,
3: I look, Brenton, I, want, I mean, I wanted to, you could quite, I'm sure. I mean, the, the great, we're talking, you know, we talk about all the stuff that doesn't work because. Mm. We've had new expectations set by people who are focusing on customer experience. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing. I was having a conversation today with some Australian guys and ladies, and we were talking about, you know, well, what? Where are we trying to get to with customer experience? It's, well, you know, it's very, customer experience is very zen. It's not about the destination; it is the journey yeah. on the way. Um, you know, grasshopper. So. Uh, mm. it's, <laughs> What you've, what you've got to remember is that when you've set a new expectation for your company and for all your competitors around you, mm. you've then got to keep that expectation at a bare minimum. That's now your new bare minimum operator, operational standards.
1: You're absolutely right. And
3: you want to make it a little better because your competitors, you want to be keeping them playing catch-up. So McDonald's mm-hmm. have done that really well in New Zealand. And they've been doing things over the last 24 months. Like we've, we, we, we. Uh, I think the McDonald's team over here very innovative crowd. They did the, um, the. I think they were the first McDonald's to roll out the 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 the, the, the Q-less menus. So you know you did nice. order order on yeah, yeah. cubicles. They also rolled out. Um, uh, table service, table service yep. from a McDonald's. Like, who would have thought that we would even want or need that? It's brilliant, isn't it? I've got, I've got some kids, and occasionally I'll be a bit naughty and cheat and take them to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, or burn- oh, listen, or burn- you just, just on this note, you're absolutely
1: right with this because it's a godsend being able to order it on that little tablet thing, go and sit at the table with the kids, they're playing, you can keep an eye on them, and someone's going to bring the food. I'm not going to have to try and, you know, because I don't always take, my my girls out as a family for example it might just be me and my girls yeah. my white wife be yeah. off somewhere doing something else so i don't want to leave my two small children at a table in mcdonald's while i go up and collect the food from the counter so somebody bringing it to me actually as a godsend who why didn't we think of that before because we've been eating with kids at mcdonald's for a long
3: time i mean you know <laughs> the first time that happened to me i had come off the back of a really bad experience with burger king I'm quite happy ah. to here. Burger King have got the most ridiculous voice of customer program. Whoever is in charge of that needs to have a long conversation with themselves. I and with have to you. fill in forty nine <laughs> questions to get a free burger to complain about the terrible customer service that I had. And I wasn't wow. even that bothered by it. I just thought, oh, well, you know, it's my job. I like to know what yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go through the process. I sat there 40 questions in, and it tells me I'm 50% through. It's asking me, it asked me for my receipt number. It asked me mm. whether I bought chips, whether I bought a, 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 a soft drink, all information it should be able to get anyway off the the thing. I, well, that I was going to
1: say, presume, presumably
3: they have that from your receipt number. And, and all I felt was that this company has no respect for my time. Mm. And it's fast food. We're not going there because we, we, uh, there's a there's a good proportion of us who, if we do go there, it's because we want it to be fast.
1: Yes, of course. We want
3: it to get get in and out. And the last and and uh, to, did I did I ever go back and use my free? Burger.
1: I highly doubt it. I,
3: have, I highly doubt it as well. And to be honest, mm. just the following week, I was delivered this unexpected, personalized service to me as a dad with my young kids. They could go mm-hmm. away way. I sat back feeling relaxed. And that feeling of being relaxed was palpable. And it stayed with me. Mm. It was so different to any other time I'd been to a restaurant with mm. them. So from then on, I've, I've never taken the kids back. To King. It's what um, I should was, say about my we've McDonald's done actually. There was, there was, twice, we've maybe done drive-through last year or
1: so. There's an experience that sticks in my mind about McDonald's as well. Kind of similar, actually. I was with my two kids and we got them a Happy Meal, and um, the lady kind of was looking at me behind the counter, and she and she was saying she picked up this poster thing, and it was the poster of the toys they have, you no, know, with the the Happy Meal. And she asked my eldest daughter which ones she already had. And she said, oh, I've got that one. I don't have that one or that one. And she gave them both the same toy because she understood that if she gave them different toys, they'd fight about it over the table. So even though she, she checked which one they already had, gave them a new one, but gave them both the same one to avoid aggro. And that for me was like, not only great customer experience, it was like being dealt with by a fellow parent. It's like you get it, you
3: understand this. Yeah. Like this is this is really important. And as staff and teams, we have to be given the license to treat our customers better. Mm-hmm. And to be kind. There shouldn't have to be an excuse. Like you hear, you hear, you hear great stories in in hospitality where mm-hmm. hotels are now giving staff. Fifteen dollars per person to use if they want to, which means if you ring up and you say, "Can you just get me to my room because I've got a headache?" They mm. leave a packet of paracetamol on it. They can go out, go to the obviously around the corner, just pack of paracetamol, leave it on your desk on your on your desk in your room, and it's all mm. sorts of little touches. They don't have to be big tech, technological things. They've just got to be. They've just got to make Personal. sense, customer. They've really just got <clears throat> to be human. We, we, we talked earlier talk about who I am and what I believe in, and, and I mean, very, very simple very simply. I think, I think, I think, if you are going to exchange any of your valuable resource, whether that is time or money, so whether you're an employee or a customer, then you should come away from that exchange feeling a little bit better about life
1: completely agree with you. And I can't completely believe agree with that
3: we're you. in a world where there are so many experiences where we are exchanging our time for labor or we are mm-hmm. giving money to a company and they are making our lives worse. I mean, that should be the very bare... I shouldn't come away from a place after mm-hmm. giving you $100 and be a little angrier at life. That doesn't the make worst any one sense. one of the
1: people who it, it's hard to pay, they're the ones who drive me crazy. You know what I mean? Like, you have to pay them. Otherwise, things get worse, but they've made it really difficult to pay them. And it's oh, like this. Is, I mean, I, I, one that stands out for me, I mean, they're never going to change is, uh, is HMRC. HMRC um, are the worst for that. It's like, listen, you owe us tax money. It's like, great, I'll ring you up and make a payment. No, sorry, you can't do that. We only take banker's checks or by form of a smoke signal. And it's like. <laughs> Well, if I can just take my money i'm trying to pay you like this i've been yeah. on hold for half an hour don't then tell me to go somewhere else you know just saying
2: that, that's that's the thing like it's it's, it's crazy and the, and the thing is that this, companies seem to take the human out of the human with the yeah. training and the, you know, the, the, the way that they they treat their staff or the way that they make, you know, you've got you know, KPIs, don't be on the phone for too long, this, this, you know, all these KPIs and reasons to get the customer off the phone as quickly as possible. And I mean, to give you a, obviously an idea regards that, you know, as we've started at the call, I'm originally from the UK. I've been in New Zealand for four years now. Um, I lost my, UK driving license the first year I was in New Zealand. So I, I lost it in my wallet on a night out. And I've had a full UK driving license for years.
0: Yeah.
2: In, the, in New Zealand, not to bore people with the rules, but you can drive in New Zealand on your UK license for 12 months. If you're going to stay any longer than 12 months, you've got to convert to a New Zealand driving license. Fair enough. I was six months in. So I rings the DVLA in the UK. And after being on hold for God knows how long, get through to somebody and I get told, no problem, just pop into your local DVLA office and sign this paperwork and we can give you a new license. Yeah. I'd already explained to the first two people I was on the phone to after I'd been passed around different departments... Did I live 19,000 kilometers away in a different country? Mm -hmm. Is there any way at all that they could send me a copy of it or proof that I had a full license so that I could go to the AA here in New Zealand and get my license converted? This took months upon months upon months of emails, phone calls backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. Eventually I just lost patience with it all. Went to the transport agency here in New Zealand explained my situation to them luckily because i would traveled the world for a year i had photocopies of all my, my yeah, passport okay, yeah. driving license, things like that luckily for me i new zealand i was literally in the line for five minutes at the desk explained my story to them shown the emails from back home in england shown a photocopy of my driving license and although it's not supposed to happen yeah. and it's not Posted. They they physically need to see your driving license mm-hmm. made one phone call to a person she needed to make a phone call to and within 15 20 minutes i had my full new zealand driving license there in front of me mm-hmm. the the whole customer journey and experience was half an hour completely different i i was, i had to pay for a new license understandable i've not got a problem with that she could have told me it was 500 dollars for a new driving license and i'd have paid it because I was happy with the service. Yeah, absolutely. Planning. How much was yeah, it? Um, I, I think it was something like $49 or right. something like that. So something ridiculous. Yeah, Brilliant. nothing. Just, it was literally I just had to pay the the, trans, the transfer fee, which mm. I think is about $49. I love that. But with the whole time of that, and like I was trying to explain to the, to the DVLA in England, I was like, I need to drive for my job here in New Zealand. Yeah. Every time I get in that car and I drive without my license, I'm breaking the law.
1: They don't care. I had exactly the same scenario with South Africa. Where I was living in South Africa and I was having to upgrade my visa. And it was I was upgrading my visa because I was it was a work visa I was on, and I, I was now married and I could get a spousal visa. So it was supposed to be relatively simple. Um, Thirty days, um, just a simple process, right? <laughs> that doesn't happen. Six months (laughs) later, my visa is now about to expire on the work front, right? And I'm at a point where if my visa expires, South Africa has this rule. At the time, it was a large fine which I ended up having to pay. But it was now it's a I think it's a three or five year ban if you outstay your your visa in South Africa, you will be banned from re-entering the country. So obviously for me, this is quite a big deal. So I'm getting in touch with with. Home Affairs, and I'm saying, where is this thing? Oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's with this department in Pretoria, it's coming. What ended up happening was, true story, I had to leave South Africa because my visa was now like three weeks over and I knew I was getting a fine, so we had to leave. And we came back to the UK to do some stuff here, and I was trying to appeal the fine, and it didn't end up happening. I genuinely had to pay the fine to be allowed back into South Africa, and I never did get the visa, and here's the reason why, okay? So I got a phone call after about two months after landing back in the UK. Bear in mind, this is probably about eight months now since I have put this 30-day visa application in. <laughs> um, and I get a phone call from somebody say, we've worked out what happened to your application. And I said, okay. And they said, it was in the desk of somebody who's been off on maternity leave.
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like, What? They said they put it on her desk without realizing she's there and someone's just literally put put a pile of them in the drawer and we've just found them now, so I'm going through them. really sorry. I'll deal with it now. But this is a true story. So, so what I need you to do <laughs> is come in and see me on Monday. So I was like, well, I'm in the UK, so I, I can't just nip over to South Africa and come see you. And she was like, oh, um, well, I'll tell you what. What we can do then is send me your passport. And I was like, okay, that makes more sense. I was like, so you're going to send me the passport. You're going to put the visa in it and send it back. Um, no, I, I'll i be able to stamp it with the visa, but you'd need to come and collect it in person. I was like, how am I going to come to South Africa without my passport? And she went, you could probably do like a temporary one i was like which null and voids the existing one that you just stamped. Yeah. so already this is a waste <laughs> of time and she was like i don't know what to tell you because we're allowed to receive them but we're not allowed to send them and i was like well can i get a, a family member to come and pick them up like if i give a letter of authority to like my father-in-law for example can he come and collect it no it has to be you you have to show a form of id to show that it's you and i was like like what and she's like like Passport or driver's license. I was like, "So you want me to show you the thing that you have to prove that it's me?" <laughs> I was like, "None of this is making any sense." So in the end, I, I genuinely binned the whole thing off. um I had to pay like a five thousand rand fine to get back into South Africa, and I still have to sort my visa out another time when I go back. Now I am aware that despite the fact it says it takes thirty days. I'm going to need to have a time where I've got a good three to six months in South Africa to be able to get this thing across the line. And I'm aware of that. So yeah. how crazy is that? I'm having to factor in a quarter of a year of my life to go and deal with a process that should be really quick and simple.
2: And and that's the thing is that most businesses have this, this this you know, they, they have a, a script or a set way, you know, tick this box, tick this box, tick this box, tick this box, tick this box of a customer. Mm-hmm. And because... 99% of people don't want to lose their job and they don't want to upset their bosses. That's what they do. They yeah, go yeah. through the process. This is the process. This, you know, I, this well, is my, this I mean, is my job. This of what
3: of I ma- do. You have to be a bit of a maverick to go against it. You know? It's you do. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that makes exactly. people go very well in the company.
1: Well, it's not how we've been taught either. We've been brought up through an education system that rewards people who do as they're told. So when you go into the working environment, you can't expect that people are going to suddenly go, I don't think that's right. We should do it differently, especially if you're new to a company. I mean, that's the difficulty, isn't it? When you're new to a company, that's when you first see these issues, but you're too new to the company to feel like you have a voice to be able to speak up. And by the time you've been there 12 months, you now just follow all the same things that everybody else follows. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: and and that's and that's obviously you know with what resonated with me with with Brenton is obviously what you know when we spoke is what he wants to do is is to change the way thing that that's happening
0: yeah and, I love and that. just
2: across you know, businesses in New Zealand because you know the, you know pe- people joke you know New Zealand's twenty years behind the times in regards to a lot of things you know we're we're still a relatively small country still relatively young so New Zealand's learning New Zealand's growing. And in a way, New Zealand companies do have a little bit of an excuse because, you know, we don't have the interactions like most of the world has. But when you're speaking to companies like, you know, PayPal or Amazon or Google, mm. these companies should, they should be on the ball every two seconds, regardless of what the problem is. And it's nine times out of 10, it's the big companies that
1: just oh, yeah
2: just don't seem to do it. You know, the money's rolling in. We've got plenty of we've got plenty of money coming in fine. I have to say,
3: some of the companies that you can talk about there though, the reason that they are as successful as they are is because of the customer-centric nature in which they strategize. I mean if you if you think about the the six the six known things that deliver a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, some James Dawkins called them the C6. Um, But I I challenge any company to kind of look at how they perform or how they think their customer experience, because this can be done through just a little bit of navel-gazing, really, and about the the level of understanding you already know about your guys' customer journey. So you could do this, Phil, for um, uh, billionaires in board shorts quite easily. So how how easy is the journey? Mm -hmm. Is it easy to become a customer?
1: Hmm. That's a good question.
3: Not as easy as I'd many, like it to be. I'm along that journey, and I have to say, I think you've made it a, a relatively easy process.
1: Thank you. But I, 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 there's no, always I, room for improvement, but it's good to know that.
3: Yeah. Um Fast is really important as well, the speed and the convenience of it. You know, mm. and the fact that I can talk to you from my home, home office, this is perfect. It's very convenient. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Your, a good customer experience should be trackable as well. So mm-hmm. I should know where I am in your journey or, wh- or how yes. the journey's going on. You know, like when you're doing a, um, an online course and you're told 63% to go. Yep, love that. That's all the trackableness that we can see where we are. Or the Domino's Pizza Tracker is a great example of it. <laughs> you know? That, that so was the first one I thought. it's on its way. going to be ready. Um, yes. It's got to be personalised. Um, yep. As well, and yep. predictive as well. So, I should know almost in a way what's coming next. That's a good customer experience for me. That Surprise, makes a lot of sense too. Very but I need to be able to know that if I order my Uber, that it's going to be there within two minutes. That makes sense. And if it's not, yeah. well, then there's, a, there's another. They're not a pass mark in the customer experience. So companies can look at those things, and Amazon do a lot of those things very, very well. Um they do. I, I, I think the bigger the company, the harder the customer service um challenge is. But again, how much of the focus is on acquisition, how much of a focus is on retention? And I do think with you push a little bit more towards the retention, a little bit more more towards driving word of mouth. Like Twitter Twitter's a good you mentioned Twitter as well before. Twitter a great example. They don't have they've never had to advertise. That's all customer centric driven. It's just people yep. loving their experience on it, getting whatever they want to get, or hating whatever they want because maybe that's what they need. They need a little yep. bit of a feral shadow in their life. Um, but it mm-hmm. delivers that, and people spread the word. And lo and behold, Pandora Radio is another one. I know um, a lovely lady who was involved in the, the launch of that over here. They didn't spend a, they didn't spend a dime on above the line advertising. It was all experiential, mm. creating advocates. Who spread the word, and that's how that's how they got their, their
1: magic. It's so much powerful because one of the things that I realised is, is from the podcasting thing is that customers are great, but fans are, are far more powerful. And when you have people who are a fan of your brand and a fan of what you do, it's like you say, it's like it's not just about their. Use the McDonald's and and Burger King analogy, right? You're not just going to continue to go to McDonald's instead of Burger King. You're going to tell other people with parents, hey, this with kids, sorry, hey, this is the experience that I had over at McDonald's and these guys were useless and they're going to go and tell people and that's how this thing works. And I think people, they know the power of referrals and they know the power of human interaction in business, but we're also busy looking at this thing online, trying to figure out clever little automated ways of doing it and, and, and trying to do that. And I think it's quite nice just to be able to take it right back down, isn't it, and say, "How would I like to be treated as a customer? What experience would I like to have here?" Um, and then go about doing that And, and as, as you as I have both said, there's nothing wrong with asking your customers in fact, it's a great place to start you know, just not in a 40 page not a 40 page questionnaire to get a free burger. Actually ask them genuine questions that are going to be important
3: That's right. show an interest yeah um, we've we've, we've just been developing a very short introductory needs analysis tool for companies to be able to, to look at I was so I've got a 3 month I've got a 3 month old daughter um, mm-hmm. Cleo she was born on um, Easter Monday so a lockdown baby wow and lockdown baby the other night the other night she was giving me merry hell about feed, at feeding time and mm. I had the bottle and I was probably not really paying her enough attention I was watching the news I had her in this arm the other kids are going off in the corner and she was spitting it out and throwing her head around and moving her arms and making noises. And I started paying her attention, just looking her in the eye, and she calmed down. And it, made, I was, well, it, was, it happened while we were developing this new tool. And so we've developed mm. this tool to, to guarantee. We, we think that really your customers want to be given attention. Yeah. As customers, we want to be given people's attention, companies' attention. We want to know that we matter. We want to know that what we should. cared about. We're we're also now in this post COVID world, certainly in New Zealand, we realise how valuable we are. There's a there's mm-hmm. a higher valuation of our own dollar. When you've got tourism companies telling you how much they need you, well then you better mm. show them how much you need them when they come and mm-hmm. spend their dollar if you want to see them again. Because Agreed. we're now expecting that level. And so this, this survey it's just a twenty question a ten question survey that allows us to kind of grade how the listening, how your company's set up to actually listen to customers, how well yeah. you're listening to customers, what you're doing with that information once you've, you've got it, and how involved, how much more attention you can give them by involving them in the decision-making processes that will ultimately impact their customer experience. Because is that an online tool
1: or is that, is that something you're going to do in person?
3: Um, that's just, uh, it's a little online tool that's found now on the front page of our website.
1: So well, from- let's put a link, let's put a link to that straight away underneath. Cause I, I'll, I'll okay. certainly do that. And I'd, and I'd highly recommend anybody that has a listen to the podcast, go and do the same thing. Cause I think it will give you some you know, incredible insights and it's just a nice, it's nice to be able to have that visual in front of you, isn't it?
3: We'll give you a very simple mark out of 110. And I believe that we should be giving our customers hundred and ten percent of our attention so that's what that's based on and it breaks it down into three common sense areas that really mm-hmm. the idea is you should be able to make we we can make improvements to our customer experience literally by the change changing the way that we think about the basics within our business it's mm-hmm. not it, it's uh and and the the, the the rewards to those that do, like there are, we've got some wonderful research from Forrester that looked mm. at every form of positive business outcome that you could hope for, sales, um, more brand recognition, longer loyalty, bigger um, share of wallet, more likes on Facebook pages, more interaction with advertising, more shares mm. of social media. That's what happens to companies that start investing and understanding their customer. So it really is proven.
1: I love it, man. I love it. And, and do you know what? I'm really, I, I'm not just saying this because we're, we're obviously helping you do this through the BIP network, but I'm genuinely looking forward to your podcast because I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting conversations with you and these other companies actually talking like, I mean, let's be honest, people are going to forget they're on a podcast altogether. And it's almost going to be a case of here's what we're doing with our, with our customers. Um, <laughs> what would you do? Um, and, and actually, I think that those are the the best kind of podcasts because as a business owner and somebody who, who's who been out there and, and, and you know, you, you're looking for mentors and you're looking to people to learn from and you're looking to people to engage with and, and listen to, you know, there's lots of advice out there, but, you know. I can't tell you this about everything because I don't know everything, right? But I know a lot about podcasting. And I can honestly tell you that a lot of the information out there about podcasting and a lot of the advice is terrible advice. Um, (laughs) But that's not really surprising when, you know, only 20% of podcasters actually make any money from their podcast. So that means that the other 80% of people telling you what to do don't know how to do it either. So, of course, it makes sense that the vast majority of information out there isn't right. But the yeah. joy of podcasting is it gives you the opportunity to build those relationships. So Brent for our listeners who um you know we were talking about your podcast earlier what's the what's the idea behind the podcast what are you really kind of hoping to to portray with that?
3: Um well I'm I'm, very, I'm, I'm when it comes to customer experience I'm a, I'm a total nerd so I yeah, love just love to, talking about Experience. I could talk for hours. I mean, I haven't even touched the sides about the stuff they like to talk about. <laughs> another reason for doing the podcast is to hopefully um, improve my marriage a little bit because maybe it will give me another outlet to talk about customer experience and it yeah, won't be I quite so boring um, <laughs> um I'm, stop, just don't I don't make
1: the I'm mistake saying, i made and ask her to listen to it dude i made that mistake my wife has literally said i hear your voice enough during the day why would i choose to listen to it in my off time so I, <laughs> yeah. i'm with you dude we're, we're on the same page with that one.
3: with and i don't think my wife would hear very anything new <laughs> <either>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah i i would i'm I want to bring a bit of human, but I want to bring the humanity into customer experience. In mm-hmm. New Zealand more than elsewhere, I do think the New Zealand conversation tends to be around software mm-hmm. and about the tech stack and about um, finding qu- quantitative ways of measuring customer experience that make it easier. I'd almost call it customer experience by numbers. Um yes. And I think what we really need to focus on is the, hum- the humanity of it, because we're all good. We're all really good at engaging with other humans, but we somehow think that business, the rules are different, and they're not. They're no different. No, they're the reason not. why I'm lo- the reason why I'm loyal to a brand is on, even on a, just on a neuroscientific. Basis. It's the same as why I'm loyal to my best friend and to my kids and my wife. It's still the same neuroscience behind it. Um, so, yeah. Well, I love, the, I love
0: the
3: fact that you've said that. Of... With... Well, with neuroscience, it's
1: fascinating because it's this, like, the brain can't tell the difference between a digital interaction and a personal interaction as in like face to face. So us having this conversation Mm. now, our brains are aware that we're spending the same amount of time together as if we were sat having a coffee together. It's the same reason that we feel sad when certain celebrities die, even though we never met them. You know, we felt we've spent enough time engaging with their interviews and their movies that we feel a personal connection to this person. And I think a lot of people, try and overcomplicate business. And it's like, I, I have to be constantly pitching or doing the sales pitch. And the thing with me was, I didn't even like the sales pitch. So I found it easy to sell using a podcast because I just have this conversation with somebody for an hour. You know, you get to, the, let's say we yeah. weren't already working together. We get to the end of this and go, I resonate with you. You resonate with me. Let's explore where that takes us. And that's the most natural and organic and beautiful relationship you could have. There's, there's value mm-hmm. add on both sides. You both respect what each other does. And I haven't had to go in and be like, well, listen, I, if you do this by this day, I'll give you this. And I haven't had to do any of that sort of salesmanship or salescraft, if you will. It's just, I love what I do. You love what you do. And if we put our skills together, amazing things are going to happen. And that's that's what I want to really kind of get across to other people and why they should engage with your podcast is not only is there going to be a gold nugget a minute, and I can tell because you know we've gone well over an hour on this podcast already, and we haven't even touched on maybe ninety percent of the stuff we wanted to touch on and the reason mm-hmm. is there's so much information out there and and Brenton knows so much of this stuff that he can share with you that can really kind of make a difference to your business that I think it's going to be fascinating listening to that happen and listening to the conversation happen with your guests as well in hearing about their, their journey and what it is that they're trying to do and businesses of all different shapes and sizes, you know, cause I don't buy that you know, this is only important for medium to large size businesses. In fact, if anything, if you're a small business, that's only got a handful of clients treating those clients with respect and retaining them and keeping them happy is surely a, a, a major focus for you. It's not an afterthought.
2: So it doesn't think, matter if I you think... have
1: 10 customers or 10,000 customers, they all need to be treated with respect and that's the
2: great thing about about the podcast and and, and about podcasting in general is how you know, the customer to sit and listen to Brenton and somebody else in the industry and sit and just have a conversation mm-hmm. you know there's there's no sales pitches it's two people passionate about customer experience the customer journey having a conversation what better mm-hmm. way for the customers to be involved in that than to sit and listen to two people passionate about the experience of, of them, the customer. Mm-hmm. And it's not very often that you get the chance as a customer to sit and listen to CEOs of businesses who care about mm-hmm. you because you, they, they come out and they tell, you know, the the press releases and the, and the advertisements that, you know, we love customers, but most of the time that, that goes over mm-hmm. people's heads because that's what you expect to see from an advertisement or from a TV, uh, you know, a TV program. But to actually sit and listen, whether it be half an hour, forty-five minutes, an hour, to two bit two people within the industry of customer satisfaction, mm. that's 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 yeah, gold as a, for a, for a customer. That that is pure pure. Well, gold. Well, I'm
1: looking forward to. It. I think that's a great way. I hadn't even thought about it like that. I, I was thinking it like from Brenton's perspective, being able to share advice and being able to hear the problems from customers as well. I mean, potential guests that you have on, but. Actually, mm. I think that's another point that you've just made that's really valid, Richard. It's actually, in, in a weird way, that form of podcasting from that guest is also a great form of customer experience because their customers now get to go and listen to them talking about, this is what we're doing for our customers. This is how we'd like to improve it. This is, And that's, for me, like, I don't expect anybody to be perfect because the industry, every industry changes so much that that's why I don't like the phrase expert because you, you might have been an expert yesterday, but today the, the market is different. It's changed again. So it's always evolving and it's always changing. But I think having the ability to listen to people who, who are at the top of their game and are saying, look, we're always trying to improve and get better. I think that's going to be a really powerful conversation. So what I'll be sure to do is include the link to halftime orange podcast and the website for the, for the, um, the test as well. Um, the little online test I'll, I'll I'll include both of those in the description below. I cannot wait for your podcast. Now, I'm I'm lucky because I get to listen to them before everybody else, so it sucks to you. Uh, There's some good customer experience, <laughs> but that's because they're going to come through our editing team, so I get to listen to them. But I'm really looking forward to that, and I, and I think it's going to be a really exciting ride. I think if anybody has any questions for for anything that we've discussed today, whether it's the, the podcasting stuff or indeed, um, you know, the customer journey, customer experience, customer-centric focus, we're all here. That's why we're here. That's why we're having this conversation. We're all very open. We're all very human. So come and communicate with us. Drop us a message either via the website or via LinkedIn, whatever suits better for you. Um, and let's take it from there. Brenton, last thing. I'm going to bat this over to you, buddy, to end it with, because I, I want to ask you a question. I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, my friend. Um, what kind of people do you want to reach out to? So, so when I say that, you know, and people are sat listening to this and thinking, "Ooh, am I one of the people that should get in touch with him? Who should get in touch with you, dude? Who would you love to hear from?
3: The, the, the reality is we, I mean, we, we talked earlier about the expectations and about building expectations. We kind of have a half-time orange. You've almost got a business model in the same way that advertising agencies. You couldn't have two car companies yes. in a competing ad agency. So if we have a car company we can't talk to any other car company. We we know that if you have got customers and you have a desire to improve your customer experience, if you see value in engaging in a superior, more authentic way with your customers, Mm -hmm. if you want that to be a more systematic approach, then we want to hear from you because we have some very basic tools available that can help anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've even got education tools that if you have a team of customer service representatives, but you're struggling to find time to to train them, we've got a micro learning platform that they can they can utilize. So, um, really, anybody who's interested in improving their customer experience, well, I think I would it's love a... to hear from
1: you. I think it also with with that. I mean, it's it's you know another reason we resonate so much is that we, we have a similar business in as much as we can't work with too many people in the same space as well in fact we choose one per five continents that we work with um in a particular space and the reason for that is twofold number one it's we don't want to be giving everybody the same competitive advantage because that's ridiculous. Like everyone moving five steps further forward together is pointless. Um, But also the fact that we can introduce you to those other partners globally and share ideas and that becomes part of the service as well. That actually now you're networking with like-minded individuals. So similar to us, I'd say, do you know what, If if this has resonated with you, don't waste time, pick up the phone, get on LinkedIn and get in touch because it may well be, that that brenton doesn't have that quota ticked yet and actually you picking up that conversation can put your name firmly in that space before somebody else does so you know uh doug vermeeran who was on our show a few weeks ago he's um world's leading passive income coach he talks about how your proximity to greatness is is going to basically determine how successful you are and that when the general public know about something It's only the scraps of the table left because the people at the very beginning that it was in the inner circle with, they've made their money. They've made the success. So if you've been fortunate enough to hear this prior to anybody else in your industry, don't waste that opportunity and that gift. Get yourself (laughs) on, have that conversation and listen, do do what resonates with you. That's what the whole show you'll have heard us all use that word. You know, it's about resonating with somebody who you resonate with on a human level, and hoping that this is the person who can drive your business forward. But there has to be that element of trust and relationship there, and that's why I'm saying if this has resonated with you, pick up the phone, get in touch, have that conversation, um, and then just see where it takes you. But I, for one, Brenton, cannot wait to to see. And do you know what, mate? We'll we'll bring you back on at like we we come back on anyway. But definitely, I'm putting this in the diary now when we're at 100 podcast episodes. We're coming back on um, because we're going to talk about <laughs> okay. what that's done and who you're working with and what doors that's opened as well, because I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring the best of those both worlds, mate, the best of what I know podcasting can do and what you know customer-centric focus can do. And, and I think we'll create some awesome content with that.
3: Great. And hey, one last gift to you specifically, Phil. Shoot, brother. Really? Um, you were talking about creating superfans. Well, there's a very famous book called Superfans. Okay. Uh, uh, It's by Pat Flynn. Okay. And it talks about what Lady Gaga did.
1: Mm.
0: Lady
3: Gaga created superfans around the world. Mm -hmm. She didn't spend money on um, vast promotion. But what she did have, she had this collection of superfans around the world. If she was coming to Liverpool, Mm -hmm. she's got a phone book of 10 or 20 superfans to call to turn into advocates in that area. Oh, my God, I'm a... I'm a Lady Gaga fan. Love it. And that's a uh, model everywhere. So we can all learn a lot from that. If you've got super fans out there screaming about you, those he- high energy individuals, they really are worth um, crafting and nurturing. So, yeah. Thank
1: you. And I'll def- I haven't read that book. It's probably one of the only ones I haven't read. So I will definitely check it out. That actually sounds really interesting because I agree with you. I think, you know, I'd never discovered the power of that before um, all of this broadcasting stuff. And now now you have. It's like, it's funny, we have we have fans who've made more sales for us than some of our sales department because right, right. they listen to what we do and go, whoa, okay, I see it, I get it, let me go and tell everybody I know about it. And the the the, the powerful thing is, and we all know it, like if I said to, like if you said to me, Brenta, listen, Phil, I'm the the, the best at customer experience. I am like the go-to guy, right? There's an element of me yeah. that's listening to that and that may well be true and I'm going, arrogant so-and-so you know <laughs> Just kind of say it word in it, it like us. that <laughs> whereas oh, if i man. say to somebody listen brenton is the go-to guy to go to this stuff he is top draw like the amount of people that resonate with this guy is unbelievable go check him out it's the same message but it's had a very different impact because somebody else is saying it so having these fans mm-hmm. go around the world going their service is amazing. The irony is, I could have made the same call to that person with the same conversation and same information, and not had the same outcome. So Absolutely. I am fu- fully with you, dude. So if you're up for that, let's do the let's do it at the hundred. Um, let's get you let's get you going yes. with um,
3: yeah. Your, your when we get to hundred. When we get to 100, I'm going to
1: be a super fan. That's for sure. Well, well, listen, we'll get you there before (laughs) then. I promise you. By that point, you'll have a number of your own super fans too. So um, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Guys, I really hope you've enjoyed this podcast and this episode. Definitely go and check out the links in the description below, both to the Halftime orange website and also to the podcast. Definitely keep an eye on what's going on there. It's going to be available on all major platforms, your usual Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere and everywhere you could possibly imagine. Plus, it's got quite a cool name, so I don't think it's going to be very long before it's taking up most of Google with those names for the podcast. Um, until next time, look, stay remote, stay global. I always say this, but take care of one another. I mean, especially in this podcast, given what we've been talking about. Take care of each other, take care of your customers, and, uh, and we'll see you next time. Richard, uh, Brenton, thank you so much for your time, gents.
2: No worries, so, It's been a pleasure.
1: And uh, we'll see you next time, guys enjoy any questions we'll hit you up and we'll see you then
2: this is billionaires in boxes empowering 1 billion entrepreneurs one podcast at a time